Okay. Okay. We're on chapter 39, second part of it. We're going to start on 456. Does anybody know what's flying in this chapter? <laughs> a lot. This is a, this is a, for me at least, this is by far the most difficult chapter. So I'll, I'll be honest, I have not done my reading and I- Is it the mitzvahs? It's the mitzvahs, yeah. it's the spiritual worlds they, they reach. It's what, where the angels reach through their kavana. It's, there's a lot of moving pieces here. It's a challenging chapter. We're going to be skipping around a little bit, and what we're going to we're going to do our best to organize everything, make it clear, and most importantly, be able to take away the message that it's trying to give us. We've been talking a lot about the kavana of a mitzvah, the importance of kavana, and when we say kavana. Kavana means the intention behind the mitzvah. I'm doing it intentionally to connect to God. We use the term kavana in this context inter interchangeably with passion, with love, with reverence. So, must, must, we're, we're learning. We're le hello. We're going to say a quick hello and then we got to get back, okay? okay. Hi. Wow. Okay, nice to learn too. Hello. <laughs> okay. Night. For the record, she's usually in bed earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we use the term kavana, intention, intercha interchangeably with passion, love, reverence, all these important things that come together with a mitzvah. A mitzvah or a prayer without kavana is like a body without a soul. It's lacking life. And although the deed was done, the deed is not meaningful. Last week, uh, we spoke about two levels of Kavana. There's one level of Kavana, the higher level of Kavana that is intellectually developed, where I appreciate how incredible God is, how vast and great God is. I intellectually appreciate how relevant God is, so I connect with him. And I feel that passion, I feel that love. And that's going to reach a very high level of clarity. That's going to reach the spiritual world that is called Bria. There's different spiritual worlds and worlds means basically levels of awareness, right? The further one gets from God and not necessarily geographically, but spiritually there's, there's um, there's different levels of awareness. And in these different levels of awareness, there's different um, amounts of revelation. In a higher level of, of, of awareness of God's reality, there's a higher level of revelation of God. In a lower level of awareness, there's a lower revelation of God. This world happens to have the lowest revelation. So the awareness of God is very low by default unless we intentionally try to become aware. But even then, we're fighting against the grain, against the grain of society, against the grain of the animal soul, against the grain of what we were born into. And when we do a mitzvah with kavana, intentional kavana, that kavana, if it's intellectually developed, 
brings us to a certain level of awareness that has intellectual clarity. Like, wow, I get it. I get it. Right? That's what we said last week. If we have emotional kavana, instinctual kavana, which means I'm doing this not because I appreciate how beautiful God is and I love him. It's just deep down inside I instinctually care because I'm a Jew. It's not as high of a level, yet it's a more accessible level. That leads us to a level of emotional clarity in our awareness. A little bit more condensed light, but it's still clearer than what we would have by default in this world. Okay. Up until this point, we've been discussing where a soul can reach with kavanah. But the truth is a mitzvah done with kavanah actually gets you farther than where, where the soul can get on its own. Actually much further. Let's take a look on the bottom of a uh, 456. Which means if I have the right kavanah when doing a mitzvah, the level of clarity of awareness that I can get of God and, and, and as the chapter unfolds, this will become more clear, is, is perhaps beyond um, description. We're going to try to describe it, <laughs> but it's, it's going to be beyond description. Now, for the record, this is very difficult, and I get it. This is, this is a confusing chapter. When Mashiach comes soon, this will all be clear. <laughs> We're describing all these abstract levels of awareness, but Mashiach is becoming a Mashiach is the ultimate awareness of God here on this world. The ultimate awareness in a place where, by default, we are unaware. And it's incredible. Make sense? We're all with me, right? We're on the boat, we're on the ark, we're good. I, I have unrelated question. Well, it's kind of related, but so you were talking about Hashem sends angels down. So when you elevate your levels of awareness, then will you be able to see the angels? Or, or that's a good question. Things? Your good question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think your soul could. Because Abraham, the question is, can we see what the soul can see? Because he didn't know they were angels, but is it because Ooh. he wasn't elevated, Abraham, when he saw them when they came to his tent? And then he, he saw them, but then maybe because he was elevated, he saw them, but he didn't know they were angels. So maybe that's why he saw them so vividly. That's a very good question. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know the answer. I know, no that's one very knows. Good question. Yeah. No, it's a very good question. But if you have that awareness, I'll, I'll tell you this, your soul will see it. The question is, are we going to see what our soul sees? <laughs> how, how much do we connect with our own souls? So if we elevate ourselves through mitzvot, then we come get into contact with our souls. Then we maybe be able to see that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. This is actually an interesting, it's not related, but you're going to find, this is interesting. Some say that Abraham actually knew they were angels. If you remember back in the Torah, when the angels came to Abraham, what did he feed them? Does anybody remember? Um, I don't know, but they don't eat. So he, but he meat fed and them milk, right? Right. So, milk. so it says that he fed them meat and milk. He fed them cow tongue and then fed them butter. And now angels don't eat, right? So the commentaries say, oh, he didn't know. And they pretend to eat. And other commentaries actually say something interesting. The Midrash says he fed them meat and milk. 
because he wanted them to go against the Torah. That way, years later, when it comes time for the Jews to receive the Torah and the angels complain and say, God, why are you giving the Torahs to humans? Give it to angels. God is going to say, wait a minute, you guys don't keep the Torah. <laughs> Remember a thousand years earlier when you when you came to Abraham? <laughs> So according to that explanation, Abraham knew very well they were angels, and he was kind of setting, setting them up for failure to save the Jewish people. So I, I, I don't know the answer, though, to, to bottom line. It's a very good question, Sharon. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion on it. Oh, oh for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, take a look on 456 on the bottom. The last bold paragraph. It's the second to last paragraph on the page. Now, the above discussion concerned the spiritual address of the souls, where a soul can get through Kavana, as well as the location of where the souls were temporarily stationed on Sabbath and on the new moon, on Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, which tonight is Rosh Chodesh. We said certain souls which can only attain a certain level are allowed into an even higher level, which we discussed last week. But we didn't discuss what happens to the Torah and worship of these souls, the Torah and mitzvahs. And the prayers that are done with these souls actually attain a higher level. In other words, our actions can get us further than our passions. Our actions can get us further in life than our passions. And this is true in our relationships. And this is true when it comes to um, what level we can reach in heaven. Um, let me put it this way. In this physical world, God is everywhere, right? But where was God most um, present in a revealed way? In the Beit HaMikdash, right? The Beit HaMikdash was God's home. Just like a human, a human right? Your soul extends throughout your whole body but where is your soul most revealed where is your soul's presence most apparent your head your brain right maybe your heart and from there it extends to the rest of the body and, and it's the same thing with the soul of the world which is god god is everywhere but where is that presence most apparent that's the beta make this the holy of holy and this level of beta mikdash where God is everywhere, but there's one spot where he can be most uh, in, uh, accessible in a revealed way. That exists not only in our world, which is the lowest level of awareness, but even in other levels of awareness, higher levels of awareness, where our kavana takes us to. The mitzvahs actually take us not only to that world, to a heightened level of awareness, but it takes us into the Holy of Holies. Takes us into the Beit HaMikdash, takes us into a deeper level of kavana. By the way, what is the concept of going to heaven? And by the way, we're going to talk about this in our upcoming course, our JLI course, so sneak peek. What, is, what does it mean to go to heaven? To go to heaven means your soul has an experience. Your soul experiences God on one of these levels of awareness. It has a heightened level of awareness of its maker, right? This heightened level of awareness of its maker is going to be limited. It needs the right, um, you kind of need, remember those old clubs where you had to wear the nice um, blazer with the crest, otherwise they're not letting you in? 
right? Before my time. You need the right clothing, right? A mitzvah is like that right clothing to get into the club. A, a mitzvah is a garment which will actually enable us to perceive this heightened level of awareness of God. And that's why the, um, the you know, in, in the Beit HaMikdash analogy, it's like taking us to this spiritual Beit HaMikdash that the soul can now experience. In the Beit HaMikdash, in the Holy of Holies, you know, back, back in the day before we had electricity and lights, the way they used to design buildings was, um, you know, they had these very thick concrete walls or brick walls, or stone walls. And the inside of the window was large. The outside of the window was smaller, kind of like a cone-ish idea, like a square cone. So in other words, there was a bigger, a larger opening on the outside than on the, on the inside than there was on the outside to allow sunlight to come in. Right, are any of us familiar with this? The old school, old ancient construction. In the Beit HaMikdash, it was the exact opposite. It was smaller on the inside. The windows were smaller on the inside and larger on the outside. Not conducive for bringing light in, but it was conducive for allowing the spiritual light to go out. And that message was very, uh, was, was a very powerful message that the light of the Beit HaMikdash, of God in the Beit HaMikdash has to go outward, has to be experienced. And us doing the mitzvahs allows us into the Beit HaMikdash, allows us to get this, a glimmer of this experience. To, to, to put it in more um, contemporary terms. Imagine you're a soul and you're a soul who rises up to heaven. And by the way, when Mashiach comes to get this, we're not gonna have to rise to heaven, we'll be down here. But you're a soul, you rise to heaven. You're going to experience God. But the experience of God that you're gonna have if you didn't do a mitzvah is referred to as Yediat Hamatziut, knowing God's existence, knowing that He exists. And I don't just mean, you know, we know that God exists, but there's knowing and there's knowing, right? We all know that there's knowing and that there's knowing. Really internalizing the reality of God's existence. If we can do a mitzvah with Kavana, what we mean by this heightened level of awareness going into the Holy of Holies, we're not just going to know that God exists. We are going to have a deeper appreciation of what his existence is. Right? It's like a, um, the analogy that comes to mind is a dating app. Imagine, or, or not even a dating app. It could be, it could be any interviewing process. Somebody applies to your company, right? You know that they exist. But until you invite them into your company and, and talk to them, now you know what they're all about. You don't just know that they exist. And you might do extensive research, by the way, and really look into their resume. 
you'll have a deeper appreciation in, uh, with the fact that they exist more than the IRS who also knows that they happen to exist just because their name is on a list or the DMV or whatever it is. So you have a deeper appreciation that they exist, but you don't know what their existence is until you actually interview them. And for them to be interviewed, they have to have some sort of, well, why would you want to come here? <laughs> and that's it's the same thing with God. We can know that God exists and we can have a deep, incredible appreciation and awareness but to know what his existence is, that's where a mitzvah is going to take us. This is what we refer to as the reward for a mitzvah, by the way. Whenever we discuss in Torah the reward for mitzvahs, right? you're going to get rewarded. We don't mean brownie points. <laughs> we don't mean you did a good deed, God put a check. I, <laughs> I was talking once with, I was on an airplane, I was talking with this Catholic lady. She, she's actually an ex-Catholic lady. She was an ex-Catholic. She had a very difficult time and I guess was traumatized by her experience of Catholicism. And she tells, so she was talking to me and she said that if you were really bad in Catholic school, she was a kid. She was probably in her 40s. She said, when you know, as a kid, if you're really bad in Catholic school and what the nun would do was well first of all she said it wasn't they didn't have rulers they had yardsticks no i'm kidding but um <laughs> she said <laughs> there's always that one joke a week where i just crack myself okay what they would do was she said they um the nun would write their name on the board and now they're sentenced to hell you know like when you're a kid the teacher writes your name and you go to the principal's office you're sentenced to hell um but reward and punishment, that's not what reward and punishment means in, in Judaism. It's actually just a heightened level of awareness. And if we do a mitzvah and we can know not just that God exists, we can deeply appreciate what his existence is, what we experience is pleasure, right? Which So imagine somebody going, looking at a dating app. And they know that the prospect whom they want to date doesn't just exist, but they actually get to date the person, right? And get to know the person and eventually get to marry the person. In both situations, they know that the person exists, but in the latter situation, they know what that existence is all about and it's a lot more pleasurable. And the mitzvah is what enables that. This is what's called the elevation of a mitzvah. Let's read this in the words of Tanya. And the Tanya is going to use this and it's going to use more cryptic and Kabbalistic language. But with this background, I think it will make sense. Let's take a look on 457, second paragraph, um, first bold paragraph. Everyone's with me, right? Yeah. Everything's making sense? Yeah. Okay, beautiful. Second uh, paragraph on 457, your Torah worship rise higher than any chamber and are literally absorbed in the 10 spheros, but the Kabbalists keep keeping score of the appropriate world. World means level of awareness, which are actual godliness. Since the blessed infinite light is merged with the spheros as perfectly as can be. In English, 
we can experience through a mitzvah, not just and appreciate, not just that God exists on a deep level, but we can appreciate what his existence is. Okay. Um, can I ask a question linking to the beginning of the book? Yes, please. Please do. So, so in the beginning, we learn that um, there's a short, long way and a long, hard way and whatever. So if you do know right. mitzvah and you're really horrible and you're nasty, like in this world, and then comes to the time you die or comes to the time anything you're not elevated is it you're just gonna because you're jewish you're gonna have a long way or because you because you have done oh sorry yeah um okay yeah. it's an excellent question we're, we're gonna discuss this more at the um in actually today toward the end of the chapter but there is the concept of teshuva and everybody is ultimately going to do teshuva, either in this life or next life, but everybody ultimately will do teshuva uh, repentance, returning. And we'll talk about that soon. And that but, just takes time and it makes you, so if you do all the mitzvahs, then you go quickly. Exactly. But if you, but if you don't do the mitzvahs, you're gonna do it anyway, and you're gonna get exactly. to that point eventually. But, but it's important to, here's what he says though, in, in order for the mitzvahs to get us to where it needs to get us, and by the way, ideally, we want this without dying. And that's with Mashiach. Basically, if we experience this in heaven, that's because we died. But yeah. if we can experience this on earth, that's because Mashiach came. But or at least we're ready for Mashiach to come. It's a transition. And the transition is easier because you've got connection. Or you don't need to trans... You don't have to um, elevate your soul. Because... it's It's kind of like... let me let me put it this way you know an, an, an astronaut in order to go to for an astronaut to go to space they have to train right yeah and it's not that okay you did your training we're going to reward you by allowing you to go to space yeah and if you don't do your training we're going to punish you you don't get to go to space right you don't yeah. get to go to another reality because you didn't train it's not a reward and it's not a punishment it's a result because he trained properly, he's literally just able to go to space. The result is the natural progression of things is you can go to space. And if he didn't train tra uh, train properly, the natural progression of things is uh, you can't go to space. It's not a punishment. You just, you physically, you cannot go, right? Josh yeah. Zipperman has way too much Diet Coke in his system. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's not going nowhere. <laughs> you have to roll him home, man. <laughs> he's not going to space. It's not a punishment. It's not because I did something wrong. It's, it's just, I, I cannot. The idea of experiencing God in this heightened level of awareness where we know who he is, not just that he is, is a reward for our mitzvahs, but the reward basically means a, a natural result, a consequence, a positive consequence. Um, if we don't do the mitzvahs with the right kavana, it won't get us where it, we're still doing what God wants. It's not going to get us to the right reward that we would ideally want. Does that make sense? Now, this reward for mitzvahs of experiencing God has two contexts, and this is just a parenthetical statement. One context is after you die and go to heaven. The other context is actually in this world because you're 
Mashiach is here, at least for you on an individual level, ready for Mashiach, or Mashiach has actually come. Where we'll experience God in this world. Make sense? Yep. Makes awesome. Sense. Let's take so, a look on page. Yes. Yeah. Question. Uh, so you're not. Yeah. This discussion and these these revelations are not going to be realized unless either you die or the Messiah comes. The Mashiach comes. It it it's, can be realized to a degree beforehand. Um. It's theoretically. It, it can, but if we're being, it's not. I I don't even want to say it's not likely to happen. That's not a that's not a good way to put it. That's the preparation. Most for most people, they don't realize it to that degree. Yeah, it's the preparation to go to space. You don't know what space is like until you're there. Yeah. Now, some people. An individual might be in space. As an individual, you might actually get there, and you can get there. You can get there as an individual. And mm -hmm. for you, Mashiach has come, at least to some degree. Sure. Like you're, you're ready for Mashiach on some level. Hmm. Let's take a look on 465. Right? All of this only works should we have the actual um, kavanah together with the mitzvah? Because if we have a mitzvah without the kavanah, we just do the deed without the passion, without the kavanah, without the love and reverence, it's not going to actually get us where we need to go. It's not going to enable us to have this revelation. Um, third bold paragraph. It's the middle large paragraph on 465. But worship that is not motivated by reverence and love, not even consciously as a consent in the mind. In other words, you didn't even awaken the love already dormant in your heart to bring it to light from its prior state of concealment, hidden in your heart. You didn't even make it a conscious, uh, um, a conscious as a consent in your mind or in your hidden places of your heart at the very least. Rather, that love remains hidden in your heart as it was, as it was at birth, in the same state as it was before worship. So in a situation where we did not awaken any love, passion, kavana, whether it be intellectually or even instinctively. In that case, the next paragraph, your worship will remain below in the world of separateness, which means it's going to bring us to a level of a, a very, I would say deficient awareness, <laughs> where we're not really aware that God is the reality. We feel separate from him also known as a superficial dimension of worlds. Excuse the Kabbalistic jargon. As such, worship has not been empowered by you to rise and absorb in God's unity, even in the ten holy spheres of, of, of the sphere of Asiya and the lowest of the worlds. In English, should we do a mitzvah, you did what God wants and that's beautiful and you actually bring him to this world, but to be aware of it, it needs kavanah. If we're not aware of it, the mitzvah will not elevate. We're not going to have that heightened level of awareness. We're going to be in a world of separation, a, a, a level of awareness where we're not actually that aware of God. At best, we're aware that he exists on some level, um, like our default. Does, does this link to the, the chapter where it says you've got a heart of stone and you have to 
you have to knock it so that you actually right. open it up to actually get purpose and meaning. Okay, beautiful. It's going to segue into that. It will say it, it definitely is related to that idea. You know, how do we actually get that kavana? We'll talk about because we're talking about the effects of the kavana, right? Yeah. How so do we do get the worship, kavana? What? If you do your worship with a heart of stone, then you cannot go anywhere because it's not worldly. It's it's very superficial. It's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And just to quote in the words of the Zohar, one of the earlier works on Kabbalah by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, page 466, second paragraph. As the Tikkune Zohar teaches, without reverence and love, a mitzvah will not fly upwards. It cannot rise up and stand before God. And as we'll, see, we'll soon see actually next week in chapter 40, it refers to mitzvahs as the word, uh, as the birds of a wing. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <I'm the wing. laughs> it, refer, it refers to... Who can the wings of a bird. Wings of a bird. <laughs> That's it why refers, mitzv when mitzvahs are not complete, they don't like... Like, like brachas and things like that. Like they talk about an angel not get at being complete. Exactly, exactly. A bird without wings is a kosher bird, right? So if you have a mitzvah, you didn't have, you didn't do it passionately, passionately. You didn't do it with kavana. Okay, you did it. You have a kosher bird. It's just not going to fly anywhere. It's not going to elevate to a higher level of awareness. It's it's better than having wings without the bird because that's not kosher. <laughs> Right to have passion without action is just it doesn't doesn't get us anywhere. But there's actually a story where the Baal Shem Tov was visiting us a, a a shul, and that shul was known to be to have a lot of different. The participants of that synagogue were not so serious or, or committed to their Judaism to the point that it was kind of just a little bit of a joking type of place. People would do, there wasn't, Kavana was not part of the culture. Like get her done type of thing. And the Baal Shem Tov had a heightened level of awareness. The Baal Shem Tov saw things from a different paradigm, from this old paradigm. And Baal Shem Tov sees, wow, this is a really holy shul. He saw all the holiness. And the reason was because it wasn't elevating. <laughs> it all stayed there. <laughs> so everybody was praying and all the prayers just stayed in the roof. It wouldn't fly up. It didn't have the wings, which is beautiful. He got to see it, but, but they, it didn't take them where they needed to go. It didn't get them where they needed to go. There are two levels of no, not having kavana. There are two types of um, unintention. Two ways to not have in, on, uh, to not have intention. One way is to do a mitzvah habitually. I was raised that way. I've been doing it for years, right? I have the same thing for breakfast every day, and I do a mitzvah every morning. I put on tefillin every, but it's just part of my routine by route, right? That's the um, that's one level of lack of kavana. Let's take a look on four sixty six. Um, this uh, bottom of 466, the last bold, the second to last bold paragraph, it's, it's the larger paragraph, second to last paragraph on the page. This means that even if your worship was not completely inauthentic, 
carried out for some ulterior motive, God forbid, other than worshiping God. Rather, it means it was the spirit of the verse, their reverence of me is mitzvahs of men performed by rote. Meaning that the worship was done out of habit, you've gone accustomed to from childhood, that your father and teacher trained you and taught you to behave as one who reveres God before him. So even in a situation where you're not doing it for ulterior motives, you're not doing it for the wrong reason, you're doing it because that's what you do. But there's no intention in it, right? In that situation, all you have to do, let's say, for example, for the past 10 years, you've been doing a particular mitzvah by route. You weren't doing it for the wrong reasons. And we'll talk about what it means for the wrong reasons in a minute. Let's say you were doing it by route for the past 10 years. As soon as you start doing it intentionally, you've elevated those past 10 years because you kind of just clicked everything into place. And now you're able to get to that heightened level of awareness. Okay. But if you do it not without intention, you do it with the wrong intention, it gets a little bit more complicated. It complicates the relationship. Um, take a look on the bottom of 467. All the way in the bottom where it says section six. If your observance is completely inauthentic though, for some self-serving ulterior motive, such as studying Torah, not to worship, next page, God, but to become celebrated as a Torah scholar. Then the ulterior motive, which is from Klipas Noga, becomes enmeshed with your Torah, and the Torah becomes temporarily exiled in Klipa. Remember, what is Klipa? That shell. Mm. Klipa is that energy that makes us see things superficially. That makes us experience God and experience life, experience relationships superficially. And if my service is done with an ulterior motive, because it's going to make me feel good, then what happens is it becomes very superficial because it's encased in klipa. How do I crack open that shell? The answer is teshuva. The answer is repentance. Um, set, look, take a look at the next paragraph, the next bold paragraph, the middle of the page. Fourth paragraph on the page, the middle of the page. That is until you do teshuva, till we return, which brings healing to the world, as the Talmud says, since when you return to God, your Torah returns with you from Klippa. So if we've been doing things for the wrong reasons, not only is it not going to bring us to a heightened level of awareness in knowing who God is, it's going to actually have the exact opposite effect. So there's three levels. There's doing a mitzvah with kavana, with the right intention. It's going to bring us to a heightened level of awareness. We're going to go know not just that God exists. We're going to know what his existence is. Level two, I'm doing it unintentionally, either habitually or I was raised that way. I'm just... I'm doing it, it's part of my routine. And that doesn't elevate. I'm still doing what God wants, but I'm not elevating to, in my own awareness, but I'm not degrading either. So as soon as I start getting on track with Kavana, everything will click in place. But then there's the lowest level where I'm doing something for an ulterior motive, 
studying Torah so I can be celebrated as a scholar or doing things because it's self-centeredly. In that situation, it becomes invested in klipa, becomes superficial. It has to be elevated through teshuvah. The Talmud says something interesting though. The Talmud says, take a look on the bottom of 468, the second, uh, the third to last paragraph, the bold paragraph. Therefore, our sages of blessed memory taught, this is powerful, remember this. Don't ever forget this one. Our sages of blessed memory taught, a person should always engage in Torah study and performance of mitzvahs, even inauthentically, even for the wrong reasons. When you study Torah, because you're going to be the know-it-all, it becomes superficial, it becomes enmeshed in klipa. And the Talmud says, do it anyways. Okay, so I have a question. Okay, Can one we... second, let me just finish okay. the paragraph and then we'll, 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 I'll get there in one second. For out of doing it inauthentically, he will come to do it authentically. And just let me just read the last paragraph on the page all the way on the bottom of 468, the Talmud reason that it's absolute certainty that you will eventually do teshuva. Either in this incarnation or another, since even a banished person will not remain banished from him. Nobody's ever, there is no such thing in Judaism as eternal damnation. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. If we're doing something with the wrong intention, and we're adding negativity to the world, do it anyways, because you're gonna do teshuva and all that negativity is going to turn into positivity. Okay, so can I, can I answer that or? Yeah, so, so, you know, when you grow up, so you do things in, and you, you learn things and you do them for other reasons, but you're not always aware that you're doing something voluntary motives because you don't always have the insight when you're younger to know what right. you're doing the wrong reason so so what happens is so your study of the torah will help you identify that you need to get more purpose and meaning behind it and do it for the right reasons so therefore you can't stop studying if you doing it for the wrong reasons because then you're not ever going to get that insight to actually right a hundred percent a hundred percent that so that's another reason why you shouldn't stop It's, it's a cycle so so they say just do it anyway so that you could but the, the only way you're actually going to get the fact, it, because, I mean, you won't even know if you're unauthentic, because you'll if, do it anyway, the minute you get the realization, you anyway in hell, you know? Okay, no, that very good, very good point. Studying, so number one, study anyways, because you'll eventually do teshuva, but the studying itself will give you, you're saying the studying itself will give you that clarity to know what you should be doing and then it will give you some an alternative to make it more purposeful and meaningful so that it becomes so that it becomes um i can't remember the word right it's a it's a uh a feedback loop type of thing it's a feedback loop then it becomes then you're using a contra whatever word you've been using this whole day it becomes authentic (laughs) it becomes authentic authentic Authentic. so just another version of fake fake it till you make it yeah kind of yeah it's it's kind of like that but but everybody's guaranteed to make it eventually everybody's going to do teshuva that's idea of of reincarnation the soul didn't finish its mission it's got to come back which is really sad because you think you're doing right until you realize you're not doing right and then you have to change stuff and it's hard no but it's beautiful because it, it changes the whole past 
It's not like for now on, I'm going to do good. It, everything became good now. So it means that the past was to help you get to this place so that you can do good. And now, yeah, now it all became a good thing. It's like, it's like a stepping stone that exactly. you understand it. Okay. It's not exactly. It was a stumbling block. It became a stepping stone. Got you know, there, there's a, there was a famous um, mentor, Shiva mentor. He was a, known as a character. His name was Remendel Futterfass. And he was having a Fabring and a little gathering with the students, discussing the meaning of life. And he was actually teaching this chapter of Tanya. And he got to this very line, everybody's going to do Teshuva. So he said, if we're all going to do Teshuva, then why wait? Why don't we just do it now? <laughs> Let's get it out of the way. Because <laughs> you don't know what's wrong. Right. Well, that, but that's you where you're saying that, that the insight, the, the, yeah. the clarity, the insight comes in of, through studying. So that's, yeah. Because, I mean, you can do Teshuva for something that you don't know you've done. But it's like saying, apologizing for doing something bad on Yontif, on New Year. But you haven't done Not it even, yet. You, you right. don't know what you've done. <laughs> It's like saying you're sorry before you did anything to be sorry about. Yeah. Right. Which is not right. authentic. <laughs> now, how we get this there level of kavana? This chapter has been discussing, again, the effects of kavana, and we're we will discuss. We will get there. How you get to the kavana? What the meditations are? What the appropriate meditations are? The Tanya will lay that out for us, and we, we will get there. But for now, we're just getting into knowing the effects and its importance um, and the level of awareness that it can and will bring us to. Wait, no, we're and even if we're to... not doing it, even if we're doing it wrong and we're doing it without Kavana, do it anyways. Um, when are we going to get to that chapter? Sue? Um, <laughs> chapter 40. It might be the end of chapter 40, but it will start in chapter 40. Oh, that's good, because I can't wait a long time. And then we're gonna get to chapter 41, 42. We're gonna, we'll get there. And the, the, we're going to approach it from different angles and we'll, we'll find the one that works for us best. And that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank you.